0: Some of them were from the First Baptist Church there in Bakersfield. They invited Brian to come to church with them, and that's where he began to go to church. He had actually got involved with the working part time there at the church, and as he, uh, some of the older men kind of took him under their wing and began to mentor him in his life with Christ. Brian said he, as he was around that church, he noticed this young lady, very nice looking, and. He kind of got attracted to her, and he asked some of the people who she was. And they said, that's a pastor's daughter. And he kind of, (laughs) a little fear came on him, but he finally got up the, the, got to the point where he asked her out, and they ended up getting married. Went to seminary in Kentucky, ended back up in Fresno for a year or two at a church as an assistant pastor there, but now he is back in Bakersfield as an assistant pastor working under his father-in-law. I don't know what you think the value of one little testament like this is, but for his story, it was eternally awesome, I think. For we are laborers together with God, it says in 1 Corinthians 3.9. You know, when you and I work together in the church, we're working together with God because he is the author of salvation. The Gideons International, we're just simply an association of Christian business and professional men. We're a missionary arm of this church and all of God's churches around the world, taking the Word of God into the traffic lanes that you may not be able to get in. We actually print in 100 different languages in 200 countries, possessions, or territories around the world. The Gideon and Auxiliary and all of these places are indigenous, they're your missionaries, they don't cost you a penny. All they ask you to do is furnish the word of God for them that they might place it. And Matthew 28, 19, you know what that verse of scripture says? It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And it goes on and talks about baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God didn't give that command to the Gideon ministry. He gave that to the church, right? The Gideons, we're simply members of a local church just like yours. Cheryl and I go to church in Modesto, and there's members here. And we are just a missionary arm of your church for one purpose. And that purpose is to see men and women and boys and girls come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I know that is your purpose here also in First Baptist Church. We also have, outside of the Testaments that we use and place in the Hotel Bibles, we have a Life Book, and that's available free to churches like this. Your youth can take this Life Book. It's the Gospel of John, peer-to-peer in the high school, and share Christ inside of the walls. Now, I can tell you, in many of the countries we're in, we go classroom to classroom sharing the Gospel as we did the last couple of weeks. We saw hundreds of kids come to Christ. But in this free country that you and I live in, it's not that way. We have to stand on the sidewalk. So you can help us by taking the life book and sharing Christ inside of the schools. Eros Garung, I met him in Kap- in, uh, Italy in Nepal a few years ago. I checked into the Oh My Dear Hotel, which he was the manager of, didn't know it when I checked in. The young Hindu boy that checked me in. Uh, as we were doing that, I noticed Eros was sitting off to the side, and he was reading a little Blue Testament like this. It was all worn off, and I was, uh, had been in, in Nepal for a number of days, and I needed a great encouragement that day, and I was kind of trying to check in, and I was looking over at him to see if that was a little Gideon Testament. When I got done checking in, took my stuff to the little room, came back out and began to talk to him, and I said, what are you reading? And he said, the word of God. And I said, could I see it? And I picked it up and sure enough it was a testament that was not only given to him there in his town but printed there in that country. And I said, tell me your story. And he said, I showed up at Ittery High School a few years ago there was a gentleman at the corner. I was late for school, and he handed a little bo- this little book out, this very one, and I took it, put it in my backpack, and at noon, I remembered that, had a little time, I took it out, and I began to read it. And he said, over the course of a few weeks, I come to love this book, and I got to know Jesus Christ. I prayed to receive him in my heart. He said, I am sharing Christ to as many Hindus as I get a chance. Matter of fact, the guy that checked you in, if you, would, if you have a copy, would you give him his own copy? I am sharing Christ, and he's very close to coming to Jesus himself. He said, I said, where do you attend church? He said, First Baptist Church in Italy, Nepal. I don't know, maybe some of you have been there. It's down in the south part of Nepal. People ask us, why do we do what we do in this ministry? There's a promise in Isaiah 55, that says, as the word goes out, that it will not return to him empty and it'll accomplish exactly what he purposes and will succeed in the thing which God sent it for. And we stand on that promise in this ministry. Some of you may know Ravi Zacharias. I don't know if you've heard him on the radio, but he's one of the well-known apologists today. Uh, Going around speaking, he shared Christ with a lot of Arab leaders in the world on their deathbed. Ravi came to know Jesus in Wellington Hospital in Wellington, India, Many, many years ago, as he had tried to take his life with prescription drugs, when he began to come around, he made it through that. On the bedside was a copy of God's Word placed there by the Gideons, maybe purchased by some of you in this church, I don't know. And that was the first Bible he said I had ever held in my hand. And he said, before I left that hospital, after reading, he gave his life to Christ. Ravi ended up migrating into Canada, eventually had God put on his heart to start the ministry he's in today. And he eventually came down into the United States in the state of Ohio, and that's where we, some of our people first met and found out how he came to Christ. Matter of fact, he gave the vision that he believed for a ministry, and this Gideon in Ohio funded the first few years of his ministry of what we know as RZIM, International Ministry, today. The value of one copy of God's Word, you really can't put a dollar mark on it, can you? You may uh, have the opportunity occasionally, I think in the foyer somewhere, there's a little display that has cards in it. Maybe some of you have used it. You can use those cards. They're free for you. There's a little envelope if you want to give money to purchase scriptures. You can do that if you want to. It's a great opportunity. I'm going to ask you a question today. You may be sitting there and say, how can I help today? We have a table out in the foyer. Afterwards, you'll be able to come back there and we will uh, share with you. But the first way you can help us today is pray without ceasing. We're on the sidewalk right here in Stockton, down in Modesto, placing God's word we've been cursed at, we have been swore at, we have been spit on for doing what God has called us to do. Pray without ceasing. And I know you're in a season of prayer. Prayer is an interesting concept. I can pray for you whether you like it or not, and God can impact you, or halfway around the world. If you'd like to join this ministry, see us at the table. We would love to have you involved with the ministry. And of course, you can give, and we'll show you how to do that back there. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Brad, uh, Brad, for supporting us over the many years. Thank each one of you. We know that as we labor together, in this ministry that God is blessing, because we see it daily through testimonies. Lord bless you.
1: Thank you, Terry. All right. Thank you so much. Um, Pray for the Gideons. Pray for the work that they do and the partnership and the gospel. Uh, I'm going to check to see if I'm on here or working. Hey, we got power there, so I'll put that right down there. All right, well, as Terry said, we are on a series on prayer called God Answers. And uh, you see the board next to us is lighting up further and further. Um, If you have a prayer concern that you have had answered in the last few weeks, we want you to come at the end of the service during the worship song, come up there and just turn one of those bulbs. I know that people have already said, I'd love to go up there and do it. So please, when we're doing the last song, do that. Let me share with you uh, a combination of prayer and God's word um, that uh, God answered. Um... There's a gentleman I saw last night uh, by the name of George Willis. And some of you might remember him. George often sat right there in the second row right behind me every Sunday. In fact, he would come in extra early so he could get your seat, Marge, okay? Or Jolene. Uh, he, he would come in here so he could be right there because he didn't like uh, his little little uh, apprehensive of large crowds. But years ago, his wife became a Christian and began to pray for George. George wanted nothing to do with church. He wanted nothing to do with those people in church. He wanted nothing to do with all of you, to tell you the truth. And yet Barbara would just put out God's Word, and she would open it up on the table, right beside where George would watch TV or do other things, and she would open it up to the place where she was doing her devotional reading. And George, sometimes when Barbara was out of the home, would come by and just kind of take a peek and look at it. And Barbara caught him one time looking at God's Word. So she thought, I'll set him up for some more. And so when Barbara, and she knew he wasn't all open about this. She knew he would kind of try and hide it. So she set up her devotional book as well right there. And she'd open it up to the page that she was reading. And so when she would leave, George didn't want her to know that he was reading the word. And he was reading a devotional book. And so he would come and he would put a pencil in one corner of the book. And put a pencil in another corner of the book right there on the table. And then he would take the book up. And he would read it. And he would turn and he would read and he would read and we'd hear Barbara coming back into the house. He'd put the book right back down, pull the pencils away as if he never did anything. He was too proud to. He didn't want her to know that he was reading, and maybe would go to church. And eventually, as she continued to pray for George, as she eventually continued to invite him to church, George came, gave his life to Christ. Actually, was influential on me, as I was doing singles ministry in the early 90s, and George and Barbara would be there. You know, I went and saw George last night, and... um, George is is preparing to go to be home with the Lord. In fact, we just got a text this morning from his daughter that said his breathing is is highly irregular. He may be going home today to the Lord. They don't know. In fact, I would guess that their prayers are that, Lord, your timing would be today because today is the 62nd anniversary of his marriage to his wife, Barbara, uh, who went to be with the Lord some years ago and uh, ever since. He just kind of lost a little spirit about him. But he wants to be united with the Lord. He wants to be united with his um, wife of that many years. Um, and so, you know, we pray not for him to go, but we pray for God's timing in the midst of all that. That's really what our prayer is. And watch how God even answers a prayer such as that. And so if you have prayers that you've been praying and things that God's been doing and answering in you, please, we want you to come and share that with us. But today we are talking about... Praying for God's guidance. Praying for God's guidance. So pull out this outline if you would. And as you're pulling it out, let me ask you a show of hands. How many of you have ever prayed for guidance in any situation whatsoever? How many of you have ever prayed that? Sure. All of us have at some point and some time. We may pray, God, just show me a sign. Just show me any sign. Sometimes we get those signs, sometimes maybe we don't. Sometimes we may miss some of those signs if we're not paying attention. And so here's what I'd like you to do today I want you to think of a specific situation where you need guidance in your life. Think of what that might be. It could be a, a job, it could be with schooling. It could be in a relationship you have, it could be in your marriage, it could be with your children, might be with your family, might be with some sort of a friendship, might be uh, just future decisions that you have to make in this uh, time and season of your life. I want you to think of a specific situation you're seeking guidance on and commit to praying over it with what we talk about here today. All right, so I don't have a lot of time to go over this, but here we go. Praying for God's guidance. And uh, I'm going to be speaking today out of the little book of Habakkuk. In fact, I know most of you probably have not visited Habakkuk very often. I don't think I have probably ever done a message on the book of Habakkuk. Most of us cannot find the book of Habakkuk in our Bibles. We might think God left that one out in your version. Here's what I, I call a TOC uh, book. It's one of those table of contents books, all right? So it's okay. You go to the table of contents, or let me help you get there. Go to the book of Matthew. Most of us can find that in the New Testament. Go to the book of Matthew. Go back five books, and you'll run into Habakkuk, all right? Honestly, I, I wanted to preach this message because I didn't ever want to get to heaven and run into Habakkuk and have him say, dude, why aren't you not preaching my book, right? Um, so, so here goes, Message out of the book of Habakkuk, um, and let me give you an overview as you're finding that. Habakkuk chapter 1, we see God, um, or specific questions came from Habakkuk to God, asking him specifically, God, would you listen? Would you have me in mind as I come before you? Chapter 2, we see he's preparing himself to hear then what God will tell him, And then in chapter 3, just a short little book, chapter 3, he thanks God for the guidance that God gives to him. And so just before we jump into Habakkuk chapter 2, you can hold that open right there if you would, Uh, let me have you go to your outline as well, because I want to give you just a couple of prerequisite thoughts on gaining guidance from God as we're looking for it from him. And the first one is this, you see it in the box at the top of your outline. Might sound kind of obvious, but ask God for the answer. I don't forget that step, asking God for the answer. In fact, 20 times in Scripture, we're told specifically, ask God. Ask me. Ask God what's on your heart. James 1.5 reads like this. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. God wants to give you that kind of guidance in your life. In fact, the most famous verses probably on this subject are found in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says this. He says in 7-7, Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. In fact, it goes on to say in verses 9 through 11, he compares it to a father who is evil, not wanting to give his son even a snake or a scorpion or a rock, but how God is so good and wanting to so bless us. In fact, can I just say this? God loves it. He loves it when we come before him with our requests. He loves it. He loves to have us ask of him. Remember, God is not out to get you. God is for you. He is pro you. He loved you. He made you. He created you. And He loves to give you His wisdom. He loves to give you His guidance. He's not an impatient father like many of us may be. I know I could certainly be an impatient father. I remember a few years ago, my son was preparing to go to bed. And as it often happens at bedtime, he gets a little uh, contemplative on life because he likes to delay the bedtime hour, right? And if you remember those days, your kids or your grandkids, they begin to ask questions and such. And, and, and honestly, I became a little impatient with him because I knew where he was going with that stuff. And I said, Caleb, why, why are you asking me this now? He said, it was a Saturday night. He said, well, I just was wanting to pray for you tomorrow when you speak at church. Yeah, Oh uh, right? One of those, right? And so, you know, note, thank you, God, for that reminder, how important these times are with these kids. I said, well, Caleb, instead of me praying for you tonight, or why don't you pray for me? She said, okay, I will. And Caleb, in his, in his little, I don't know how old he was, seven, eight, nine years of, old, uh, years of age, he said, Lord, would you help my daddy to speak really well tomorrow? Would you help them to baptize lots of people? And if there's any first-time people, that they will want to come back until they're really old. And I thought, what a perfect prayer. What a perfect prayer. And actually, if you are here for the first time, we do hope you'll come back to you're really old. Some of you who are around here as well, let me go off on just a tangent just a bit. If you have not joined us with what we're doing here formally at First Baptist, if you have not become a member, I've had some people ask me in the last couple of weeks, how do you become a member around here? We have a membership class coming up on August 13th. Write that date down if you have not become a formal member here. And if you say, honey, have we become a formal member? If you've not come to the class or if you even have to ask the question, you're not a formal member around here, all right? So put it down. Some of you have been coming for years and years and have not formally joined. Write that date down. We'll let you know more about that as we partner with you. August 13th, it'll be a dinner from 3.30 to about 6.30 or 7. But but we hope that you come and join in and jump in and and commit to what we're doing here at First Baptist. But God talks about not being an impatient father like we can be, who will give bread or or stone instead of bread or a snake instead of, of something to eat. He loves to bless. He wants us to ask him. Secondly, here's what a prerequisite would be. Expect God to answer. Expect him to answer. That verse goes on there in James 6. says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Now, God might not always answer in the way that we're looking for. But as we wrote up here. God answers. God will answer. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait. In fact, let me give you four words. Let me say those words a little bit differently so you can remember this, all right? This is not in your outline. Put it down on the margin or wherever it may be. Let me give you four words of how God answers. First way God answers is he says no. Now, that's not the one we like, huh? We, we, we don't pray for that one very often, but there are times when God says no, and if we continue to come before him, if we continue to open our lives to him, many times we can see why he says no when we go further down the road. So, but that is definitely one way God answers. He says no. A second way he answers is God says slow, slow down, wait, it's not time yet, and again, with greater wisdom, we can see that in God's infinite knowledge that that is best for us sometimes to slow down. So sometimes he says no, sometimes he says slow, other times he says grow. There's a third word, grow. That for me to bless you with this, for me to answer in some way, for me to continue to work with you, you need to grow, Brad. You need to grow in my love, you need to grow in my knowledge, you need to grow in whatever it may be. You just need to grow before that prayer can be answered. And then let me give you a fourth way. And if it's no, if it's slow, if it's grow, what's the last way? Uh, Did I hear a yes? No yeses. All right, all right. uh, Think about this, okay? Try and rhyme with me, okay? No, slow, grow. Go, there we go, go, go is the yes, that's the one often we love to have, right, go is the yes answer, and so as you are praying, as you are coming before God, as you are expecting him to answer, take the time to say, okay God, where where am I in this process, what am I hearing from you, is it the no, the slow, the grow, or the go? Often we don't discern that answer right away. But if you're serious about finding that guidance, ask God for the answer and expect him to answer. Which, by the way, let me update you on the Scottish Rite property, which is right to the west of us. I know many of you have been praying for that, what the Lord would be opening up. We don't have answers yet. So we are still in the slow process there. Maybe it's the grow process for us as a congregation as well. Um, uh, We've submitted an informal bid to them, um, and uh, they said it might be a week or two before we answer. Uh, There are other uh, parties interested in that property as well. And so I'm just simply asking you as a church, keep that before the Lord. Keep praying for that, that the Lord would open that door, that we would be ready to walk into that. And I will certainly let you know more about that as we find out answers. But uh, that's one of those guidance questions that we ask as well. God, give us the right timing if that's to come about for us to use for his ministry. But let me give you now the um, points on the outline. There are four little insights that we have here on how we hear from God and how we make decisions as as we listen to him. These are things that Moses did. These are things that David did. These are things that Nehemiah did. Even Jesus did these things. I'm not going to get all the way through them, but let me start with the first one, and that's this. It says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. In fact, let me read that first. Let's read it together, and then I'll give you the first answer there. But let's read this verse out of Habakkuk chapter 2. I will climb my watchtower and wait to see what the Lord will tell me to say and what answers he will give to my complaints. The Lord gave me this answer. Write down clearly on tablets what I reveal to you so that it can be read at a glance. All right, first thing is this withdraw. Withdraw. This is what, this is what uh, Habakkuk did. Withdraw. Get alone in a quiet place. If you're looking for guidance from the Lord, it says, I will climb my watchtower and wait and see what the Lord will tell me. That watchtower gives that idea of perhaps a guard who is eagerly anticipating and watching for something, but it's also a Hebrew phrase that could mean to get alone, to get by yourself in a place where you can hear the Lord. And when you go before the Lord... Get alone from all the distractions and the noise that competes with us hearing God. I mean, think about it. There are not very many places that you can go where you don't get a lot of distractions. And so you have to find that place that you can go to hear from God. Uh, There's an interesting story about Susanna Wesley. She's the mother of John Wesley, um, who John started the Methodist uh, denomination. Um, She's often called the mother of that Methodist denomination because of her children, John and Charles Wesley. But she had 18 children. 18. Now, how can you have 18 children? Where do you find the time to pray? Well, what she did is she uh, built a jail cell that she would keep her kids in. No, I'm joking. I'm joking about that. No, some of you are thinking, that's a good idea, Pastor Brad, aren't you? No, just joking, just joking. She would go into her kitchen. And in her kitchen, she would have a rocking chair. And what she would do is she would sit in that rocking chair, and she would take her apron, and she would throw it up over her head. And when her children saw that she had the apron up over her head, the oldest one said, don't bother Mom." Mom's praying. Mom's talking to God. Let's leave her be. I remember hearing uh, Doug Fields, who's a pastor down in Southern California at Saddleback Church, talk about a a prayer curtain that he built in his garage. It was kind of like a shower curtain, little eyelets at the top, and he strung wire, just a five-by-five space, and he would go in there and he would close it behind him. Even if his kids were in the garage or on the driveway or riding skateboards and doing other things, they knew that if Dad was in that place, that was dad's place to pray, to find a place where we can be alone with God. In fact, in Luke chapter, six, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. The ESV says he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. But NIV says often often he would do that to be alone and i guess my question is if jesus had to do that how much more do we need to do that as well find a place where you would just be away from the distractions you know that's one of the reasons that we had the prayer chapel right over here that we started that when we began this series and we've been asking saying hey if you'd like to pray in there before or after services um, we have some men who are praying in there on tuesday mornings as well Um, If you'd like to join them, we'd love to have you do that. If you can come down during the week, just say, hey, can I get into the Perch app? We'd love for you to do that. If that's a place where you need to come just to find some quietness, we'd encourage you to do that and to come. Now, withdraw is probably the easy thing to do. Here's what's a little bit harder, and that's the second point, and that is wait. Calm your thoughts and your emotions to wait before the Lord. Wait. And let me give you a suggestion on this. I know that whenever we calm ourselves like that, oftentimes ideas and thoughts come, to-do lists come, and God puts different things in our minds, or we might be just so busy that we get distracted. I'd encourage you, have a piece of paper and a pencil, and write down anything that might come to mind, even if it's just a simple like, oh, I've got to pick up the milk as I head home, or "I got to do this or I've got to do that." Write those things down. And get those out of the way so that you can focus upon time of prayer, a time of listening to the Lord. However, he might be putting some of those on your mind. Go back and look. See if there's some things, some people that you maybe didn't take care of a situation or you knew you need to call them that he wants you to finish up. But when you kind of shove that aside, it's to get focused on the Lord. In fact, the verse there is out of Psalm 4610 where it says this. It says, be still. And may you know I'm God. I mean, that says it all. I, I remember the story so many of us are familiar with out of 1 Kings, Elijah. As he goes and seeks the Lord, and as he's at the mouth of a cave, and he thinks the Lord's going to speak in grandiose ways, and the wind came. And God wasn't in the wind. Remember the story? An earthquake comes. God is not in the earthquake. Then a fire comes as well. God's not in the fire. But what is God in? He comes with a gentle, low whisper and he speaks to Elijah you know that's often how God speaks and what I've just come to know in my life is that God is usually far more willing to talk to us than we are to listen to him God's ready to talk he just wants us to slow down to be able to listen to that hurry is the death of prayer Hurry, rush, is the death of prayer. Maybe it's in those moments that God is even saying, I want you to grow more with me. I mean, I mean do you realize sometimes God just wants to give you a hug? And here we are, we're kind of like shaking the eight ball, the magic eight ball, kind of like, okay, what's the answer? God, I want the answer on this guidance prayer. And, and maybe he's just there. God, God wants a conversation with us. Many times we we just kind of want a soundbite. Okay, God, just give me the soundbite so I can move on, so that I know where to go. And maybe God's desire in a conversation with us to talk and to share. In fact, Psalm 5, verse 3, says it like this. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. and I watch. I wait. And I watch. You know, I had no idea when I was preparing this message what the time would be. I see the time is running out. But I very definitely heard God saying, Brad, do not try and finish the rest of this message. Because I want my people to do what you're talking about. And so what we're going to do now is I just want you to put your Bibles away. I want you to put your papers away as well. Put in pens or pencils that you came with. And, and we're just going to take a few moments now. As we've talked about withdrawing, we're, we're here, away from all the busyness of life as we talked about waiting we're just gonna take some time and we're gonna pray And so this is one of those messages where you run out now I know I talked about finding that situation and the guidance seeking prayer we're gonna finish this next week okay but right now God is saying take the time be in my presence and listen to me and so let's take a few moments and let's put all distractions aside we have one last worship song we're gonna sing at the end of this time But before we do, let's do what we've talked about. Let's withdraw. And let's wait. Let's pray. God, your word is pretty clear to us. That it's, you don't want us just talking about things that um, we're supposed to do. But Lord, you want us to experience you. And to be in your presence. And then not just be hearers of the word, but then doers. And so, Lord, as we take some moments to withdraw from the busyness, we know we're going to be back out in it. We know the busyness will come. But, Lord, we're here now. And so we're listening to you. God, would you hear us? And then may we be quiet in our soul and listen to your voice. Lord, it is good just to be in your presence. To know that you are so close. I pray that this would be just the beginning. Until we see each other again next Sunday, Lord, I pray that this would not just be the end of speaking with you, but every day we would seek a presence with you. And we would know you're very close. That you would do it again and again and again and again in our lives that you would continue to show, that you would continue to answer. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. You are so good. Folks, even as we're preparing to sing a song, of worship, if you would like to come and be here at the altar, we invite you. It's open to you. If you have a prayer request that uh, has been answered and you want to give a word of testimony just to, upon turning that light bulb, that would be an encouragement to others. You come as well. God, thank you now that as we have sought your face that we will continue to do so in a state of prayer, a state of worship. We love you.